2: Welcome to the Sports Garden Network podcast, your source
1: for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence.
3: Welcome sports fans, this is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton, that's right, we are Wagering Week. We have a great show for you today. It is our fantasy baseball preview show. Oh, that feels so good. Just to say that, it feels so good. Guys, you want to get in touch with us? It's Facebook and Twitter. I know. Listen, all, all the social media accounts are going to be blowing up for things that we say and tell you. We told you guys last year, some people listened and they said, thank you. Some people didn't listen. And they said, why didn't I listen? But it's at SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-M, 855, the number 4 And You can listen to us on any of our syndicated affiliates, iTunes, iHeart, SoundCloud, or SportsGarden.com, of course. Now, for the fantasy preview show... Uh, this year is quite different. We are living in a different world, obviously, and normally our fantasy preview show, we sit down, we talk about the first round, we talk about picks. We talk. This year, we're going to start it off, we're going to talk about strategies. Strategies, how to go up against and how the teams are going to strategize and go up against a shortened season. Of course, a shortened season means a lot. There's a lot of intricacies, a lot of problems, but there's also a lot of angles. And we talk about angles all the time from a betting perspective. Angles is what we're looking for. What's my advantage here? I think from a fantasy perspective, season-long league, sure, but daily fantasy, absolutely. From a fantasy perspective, there are massive angles. To help me run through this hour of the fantasy Preview show. We have Chuck T. mill, fantasy expert. Chuck, I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. How you doing, nah, my man? It's
2: been a long time. Been a long time. I'm so happy to be here. July 23rd is around the corner. Yeah, it's it really be is here so quickly. And one of my leagues made the fatal decision that we're not going to go ahead and do the league this year. That oh. was sad. But my. Uh, my, my mixed league, we're going ahead, and so we are super psyched, and uh, we are really raring to go. So
3: let me just pepper you with some questions that I've been talking about over the course of the weeks on, on the various shows, right? On this show, we have talked about uh, the uncertainty, people catching corona. Uh, I spoke about just a couple of weeks ago, If you have coronavirus, according to Major League Baseball, it's 14 days guaranteed quarantine. Then you have to pass two different tests. The tests, sometimes, the results don't come back for three, four days. You're looking at a three-week DL stint, uh, you know, quote-unquote. Could be as much as a month. Freddie Freeman and Charlie Blackman felt effects weeks afterwards. This is devastating. If a guy gets corona, and guess what? There's no way to kind of figure that out. So... Instead of just talking about the Corona, I want to just talk about overall strategy. You said some of your leagues were canceled. You know what a lot of my leagues did? Almost every one of them except for one? Canceled head-to-head. I think it's almost impossible to play head-to-head this year. I think if you are in a head-to-head league and you're not sure what to do, you just turned it into a roto
2: for one season. Am I right? Yeah, I agree totally. Um, there's, there's just so many uncertainties, you know, a lot of things that, uh, are very interesting to follow. Also, are the major league baseball families that are expecting uh, uh, children? That uh, been in the papers about Mike Trout. Very heavily covered. He's. It sounds like he wants to play, but you know he's hedging his bets in his quotes. It, Zach Wheeler is not making his decision until there. Uh, child is born on the, with an expected delivery date of July 31st uh, Zach Wheeler no, no commitment anywhere there's a lot of things to be concerned about but you're right a lot of these guys are being put on the 10 day injured list when it could m- look more like a 21 day stint and that's really scary.
3: Yeah, the 10-day injury list thing, throw it out when you're talking about corona. I mean, just you talk about Zach Wheeler. Philly got destroyed with this coronavirus. There's like seven or eight guys, Hector yeah. Naris and, and Nola. And a lot of them are asymptomatic, but it doesn't matter. According to Major League Baseball, it doesn't matter. You could be doing cartwheels. It doesn't really matter. If you have it, you're staying away from the team. So... Let's say there's no head to head, so we're gonna kinda we talk a lot about daily fantasy and we'll get into players. Before we get into players though, I've had a debate many times with people in this industry on Twitter and whatnot, healthy debates about how important pitching is gonna be this year. A lot of people in general, and before we mention names, but just a lot of people in general are just massively devaluing pitcher this year. They're going full on hitting. I sort of look at it the other way. I have a contrarian view here. I think that if you are a guy like Jacob deGrom said, uh, he's ready to pitch 100-plus pitches. Mark Scherzer, Garrett Cole, they all said, we're going to throw 100 pitches on day one. I don't have to get ready for a 33-game season, 33 starts. i got to get ready for like 11, 10, 11, 12, maybe. These guys are, in a lot of ways, going to just kind of let it loose, right? And There's no holding back. Instead of thinking that a guy like Jacob DeGrom might only pitch 85 or 90 pitches and ramp up to it, I think he's going to hit the ground running and throw 110 on opening day because he's only got to stay healthy for 33 starts. So I am in the camp of load up on ace starting pitches. Heavy strikeout guys early on can really yield massive results. Which can't be you in? Go for the starting pitchers or say, no way, wins are too volatile, I'll just go with the hitters.
2: I'm going with starting pitchers. When I hear too many people saying the same things, I move always in a contrarian light. I'm hearing so much about openers. I'm hearing so much value going to middle relievers. I don't sign off on any of it. I want Lucas Giolito when he takes the hill this season. I want to take the pitcher that has a high likelihood of getting to the 7th inning. My opportunity to get wins becomes much higher i don't have that stuff with valuing middle relievers i don't want to i don't want to put too much dollars into these other things i'm hearing everyone else saying because when the whole market is betting that way i always love to go the other way and i just believe that the 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 starting pitcher who can throw 100 innings i mean 100 pitches and get me seven innings is going to have so much more value this year i'm going to bid those guys up high yeah, from a betting perspective, I was mentioning that. I said, you know, I, I think that the bullpens are going go
3: to go to—they're going to go to bullpens a lot quicker. I, I really do believe that because, you know what? You're not going to burn these guys out, right? You're not going to bullpen uh, burn a bullpen guy out because you're not going to use him that much. He's only got to get him through 60 games. We're also not going to see a lot of 6-7 starters, right? Guys that probably should be in the minors and, and no slight to him. I know, you know, you're a Yankee fan like me. Jonathan Loiseka shouldn't see the field this year, right? I mean, these are the kind of, of things that I'm looking at. From a pitching perspective, yeah, the strikeouts are massive, but I also talk about the relievers and I have spoken about this might be the year that a reliever wins the MVP. Because from a pitching perspective, a guy that leads the league with seven wins may not be as impressive as a guy that has seventeen saves, okay? But where do you stand? Are you afraid of the blow up? One blow up game, Chuck. You're done. You're done, right? One 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 grand slam, and you're finished. Yeah,
2: your season-long format uh, uh, stuff is going to be hugely impacted by a blowout. Um, A Mitch Keller, a Dylan Cease, these guys that couldn't get out of the third inning last year, you've got to have the guts of a burglar to put them in your lineup this year. That is going to be tough to play. Although, Keller... I was planning on talking on him a little later. Keller's very interesting. In 2019, Keller had a four seventy-five batting average on balls in play. One of the craziest high numbers I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a four seventy-five bat. It's almost impossible to have that happen to you. If, if I'm just playing the averages, I've got to believe he's going to be an interesting guy. Throws 98, 99, very good pitcher his 2019 numbers will have everyone so down on him when you look at that high 6 ERA all those things. So a lot to a lot to play there but a, yeah, a blow up start can kill you in a season long.
3: What about a blow up relief appearance? Roberto Osuna's is in there and he's got, you know, a 1.09 ERA uh through 50 games and he gives up a grand slam, a meltdown, walks three guys, grand slam, four run boom. His ERA is like a 3. I, From a a reliever standpoint, these guys could get crushed.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, the other thing, too, which, which is very interesting is about a week ago, ESPN changed the projections. And up until about a week ago, they had full season projections sitting in there. And today, when I was looking at the site, to see a guy projected for 17 home runs might w- might win that category. I mean, for the league. He could well, be I've, the league leader. I mentioned it on the show.
3: Vegas has it set at 20 and a half. Will Amazing. a player hit more than 20 and a half? And, and I think there's value under yonder. I think there's value. I, I, I mentioned it. The only guy to do it in the first two months of the season last year was uh, Christian Yelich who hit 21. Right. He was it. Cody Belger went nuts in April. He only hit 20 for the first two months. So, I think to say 20 home runs is going to be a league leader, it may not even get there. We may be looking at teens. So, yeah, that's something to look at. Let's stay with the reliever because I want to make sure and I've mentioned this a few times, I know that you know this, but this is something guys got to really pay attention to, especially in daily formats and more importantly than anything, when you're going big on relievers and a lot of guys are stacking up on relievers. The runner on second base. The runner on second base in the 10th inning does not account for your ERA. That's a huge deal. That's a big thing. Because if I have a role Chapman in the ninth inning, I'm going to throw him in there in the tenth with a runner on second, right? Aren't you going to pitch him two innings at that point? First of all, his workload this year is going to be low, number one. Uh, Every game matters, number two. And then number three, well, that doesn't count against his ERA. So Chapman could go go in there, give up that run. It does not count against your ERA. It does count count as a run, by the way, for the guy on base. It does count as an RBI, but it does not count against your ERA. I am a little higher on relief. I know you always get on me because I love my relievers, but I'm a little higher on elite relievers this year. If a guy in a regular year could strike out 100, okay, and we're looking at, Pitchers and starting pitchers and what they're going to be in shortened seasons, I like the high strikeout elite relievers that will not get hurt in the 10th inning.
2: I agree with you on that. There's, there's a lot of value, a lot of predictability, and there's a lot that you can bank on. You want to bank saves this season more than any other you want to reach out for an early lead in saves uh this year you want to get those things you want to get everything you can in the bank you want to get stolen bases in the bank you want to take a look at matchups where you know a lot of there's a lot of very fast guys that are going to be on these 60 man lists the opportunity to pilfer steals is going to be there a lot of pinch running situations a lot of guys not playing not getting forward bats in a game and maybe stealing a base you know and just coming in not even with a plate appearance Uh, but a a good way for you to pilfer uh, points and stack points and and have them saved for you.
3: One of my biggest philosophies that I've used in my leagues for 20 years in a Roto League, I love to just load up like a maniac and steals and saves early in the season, and then right around August, I dump all my steals and saves because I have a big enough lead that even if I get crushed, I'm still going to get an 8 or a 9. Can't do it this year, okay? I still think that they're important. What about in a daily fantasy league, Chuck? I can't do that. As much as I love relievers, I can never take a reliever in daily fantasy. But I'm starting to hear the argument that you could get a really cheap middle reliever, a Drew Pomerantz, that might pitch two innings. He's got a good chance at the win. He's going to get four strikeouts, he's not going to get any runs. Do you take the philosophy of going dirt cheap in a daily league and taking a middle reliever
2: hoping to get the vulture win? It's there. It's going to depend on how we see the managers manage, I think. I think it's really going to—, to
3: I don't have the stones to do it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's
2: tough because you you got to watch how these managers manage their games. I, I don't see myself doing that. I really don't. I, I want to stay with the, the tried and true starting pitcher.
3: All right, let's talk about hitting, okay? We mentioned home runs. Home runs, I think, are generally easy to predict. You know, you know your big bashers. You know what they're going to do. A lot of home run hitters, though, they're very volatile. They get really, really hot, real, really, really cold. Um, Stolen bases, we'll get into that in a little bit. The one thing I'm selling, Chuck... I'm selling batting average, right? We know that from Bill... Bull Durham explains it perfectly, where Kara explains Difference what a 250 between, hitter yep. to a 300 hitter is, right? Now you got a 60-game season. A guy goes on a week-long torrid stretch, he's hitting 300 for the year. A guy goes on a week-long... He, You know, listen, the 300 hitters in the league usually don't, but a guy goes on a 10-day stretch where he just kind of can't hit his way out of a paper bag... He could crush it for the rest of the year and hit 280 for the season. I am selling on batting average like I've never sold before. I think it's the most volatile, volatile statistic that you could hit in fantasy this year. Yeah, it's useless,
2: uh, you know. And again, I always favor leagues that will tend to emphasize the on-base percentage anymore, and that's what you want to—that you, you have to pay attention to. I think. I think the bad You know, I, I always go back to being a kid following the New York Mets, and until I became a Yankee fan and saw the light, I <laughs> I remember the season where Mike Vale got out to a in phenomenal April or May, whatever it was, and he was still he was the National League batting leader until about late June came around. And then I don't I think he finished at three oh two that season. But again, when you look at Mike Vale though, was there home runs, was there runs, was there on base percentage? None of that was there. It's always been on base percentage for me. I would never sell that out. I would sell out batting average in a second. I agree with you on that one. It's useless to pay attention to. It's and you know of your uh, innings that are ratio innings instead of counting stats. Your your ratio innings this year because of a sixty-game base are useless. They really are. You can blow your ERA up in two seconds, so you can't count on ERA. You got to count on wins. You got to count on saves. The it's the stats that you can count that are what you're looking to obtain this year, and that's why you're going to find some value in some. Base stealers, very high on Victor Robles this year. Man, did that kid show me something last year? Only high four hundred at bats, seventeen homers, twenty eight steals. It's all there. It's it's all there with him. He is going to get you counting stats you need: home runs, steals. That's what I'm looking to count. Uh, National's team should be fun
3: with Soto and Turner and Robles. Um, let's. We're going to get into players in a minute. We got about four minutes before our, our, our quick break here. But I want you to give, give me. Your opinion on keeper leagues. I know you love your keeper leagues, okay? Let's say you're in a contract league, right? Got a five year deal or something like that, and you're in a key or you're in a keeper league. How do leagues and league commissioners kind of combat this? Do you say, hey, a season got in and that's a year counted on them, or do you kind of just make it a pause sort of season? I see a lot of payouts that are going halves. I see a lot of people saying, no, you know what, we're gonna extend the contract. It's a free year. Where do you stand if you're the commissioner?
2: Well, we did something interesting in, in my dynasty league that I play in that we kept the draft going to keep our interest in baseball high. We did a draft format every Sunday night. We got together at 6 p.m. and we would have a we did it. We did it through uh, um, Zoom and we did a draft every week to keep ourselves interested. But one of the interesting things that happened was a lot of the teams didn't want to uh, to stick with the standard keeper rules in terms of how many players we kept. They felt, because we're getting ripped off this season, a lot of the trades we made in 2019 were done under the pretext that we would be playing a full 2020. So as a commissioner of that league, I put it up to a league vote to talk about adding more keepers this year. This year more than any other, because a lot of 2019 trades were made under the pretext we'd play a full 2020 season. It's not going to happen. So we did that. It's a one-year thing. Everyone felt good about it we'll be protecting a few more players. That's one thing that we did in, in, a, in another. But like I said, my National League only league, they folded like a cheap tent.
3: <laughs> uh, my advice to any commissioners out there is, is the, the same thing. Look, I would extend keepers. I, I, I just think, look, it, first of all, keepers make it more fun to me anyway. It, it just does. So I would extend keepers. And if you're in a contract league, my advice, and I'm not the commissioner of the one league that, that we have big contracts, my advice was this. How about the option? You know, if you got a guy running out, you know, you can extend him for the one more year or you can let him go. If, if you're banking on, let's say, Curt, Clayton Kershaw and you bought him five years ago at a ridiculous price, maybe you were hoping that that contract would run out. Maybe you also want to kind of keep him. Give people the option. I think you have to be fluid this year. I don't think that this is the year that a commissioner should rule with an iron fist, no, right? No, no, I mean, this we, is the we, year to be fluid, to let people have fun. I think payout's half. You know, half payouts is fine, and instead of the full payout, whatever you could do, except fold the league. Just you can't fold the league, yeah. Chuck.
2: No, it, it's well, it's a redraft league that that one league, the National League only. So you know, we 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 will go to a clean slate in twenty twenty one. One of the things we do have in one of my dynasty leagues though is a minor league list, and so the minor league list, uh, we decided because there's a sixty man squad now, there's going to be minor leaguers getting in. We relaxed our rules about. Once they come up, you have to play them because you got to be flexible. And this year, more than any other, we're trying to be flexible. That's uh, a good
3: idea. And I'll tell you what else. People, start thinking now. If you're a Major League Baseball uh, fantasy commissioner, start thinking now. Position eligibility rules. That's going to go crazy Boy, because ha- how how can you you know say a guy's got to play 20 games? He, he might play 15, but in a regular season, he would got to the 20. Start thinking about that now because that might be a problem to run into. All right. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk about individual players. I will leave you with this. I think this is the first year in a long time where 1 to 10 is as stacked as I've ever seen it stacked. And even number one might be up for some debate. We'll see if Chuck agrees with that. We'll be back right after this with more Wagering Week. At Bet365,
0: we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Filet-O-Fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time.
0: And if you love the Filet-O-Fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At
0: Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get the gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're out. Right. What are the odds?
3: What are the odds? Well, fantasy bands during this special. Fantasy focus here. We're talking about what's the toughest thing to predict? Stolen bases. There are just no, no more stolen bases in Major League Baseball at all. But I have the odds. Who will lead the league in stolen bases? Alberto Mondesi is two to one. Ridiculous odds. I mean, that's a shoe in right there. But two to one odds, I don't like it. Malik Smith is four to one. Ronald Acuna Jr. is nine to one. Trey Turner six to one. Your guy Victor Robles, by the way, is sixteen to. One, says Chuck. How about uh, Jonathan Valar is nine to one. Starling Marte eighteen to one. Whit Merrifield is twenty to one. Byron Buxton is twenty to one as well. Now you guys got guys like Fernando Tatis, Elvis Andrews, Lindor, uh, Billy Hamilton's fifty to one. Uh, D Gordon, Trevor Story, even Christian Yelich is up there. If somebody has like just a hot week where they get some weak pitchers. Uh, they have a hot week where they just get guys that that you know, just can't hold you on. And you have like a six stolen base week. You're done. That's it. They're the stolen base leader for the year. I mean, that's how I feel. And that are what are the odds. Chuck T is joining us here on Wagering Week. And Chuck, I got to get your opinion. I know you like stolen bases. I think they're always so volatile. They're so tough. I love to grab guys that during a regular year. Are gonna hit twenty home runs and steal fifteen bases. I love the power rabbits, is what you know they were called. I like those kind of guys because I don't have to worry about that big steal guy. But who do you like as far as the odds? Alberto Mondesi is two to one. Eh. Malik Smith is four to one. Eh. Trey Turner at nine to one, maybe. Seems like you might be going with Victor Robles. Is that your guy to
2: lead the league in steals? Victor Robles, I think, has that potential. He was a 40-steal guy in the minors. He's ultra quick. Did you mention Mag- Nick Madrigal? Did you have odds <laughs> no,
3: on that? No, 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 no. And I didn't mention Nick Madrigal. He's not on the list,
2: but we'll talk about him later on he's in sneaky. risers and fallers. Yeah, he's sneaky. Um, you know, I, I think that the name, though, that I heard there that has the I think the best chance if it's not going to be Robles, it's then falls to Trey Turner. Trey Turner, last year, high 30s in steals in a season in which he had his hand broken very early in the season by a hit, hit by pitch. Um, I think Turner can... Turner is a guy that can get seventy in a season. You you're not going to be surprised. The other guy that can really light it up for a fifty still season, and you mentioned him is Byron Buxton. I think that's a decent bet as well.
3: No Billy it. Hamilton love at fifty to one odds. I get on first
2: base and he just can't. He's had an entire career of being a two eighteen hitter. Uh, this the odds start with you getting on first, you know, and uh, he just doesn't do it for me. I think so many people bit that apple. And got the tap sour <laughs> worm inside of it. Um, there's a handful of names we'll talk about that are still being given that chance to get to still break out, even though they've failed to break out. Yeah, Billy Hamilton is that failed to break out guy in steals.
3: All right, well, we're going to transition from failed to break out to everyone's favorite, the first round. Okay. I believe that football has always been top heavy. To me, you can't, they always say, you can't make or break a a draft in the first round in the NFL, uh, but you could kind of lose it. Yeah, I get that. But I always feel like the first 15 picks in the NFL draft are so much better than the next 15 picks. In Major League Baseball, to me, it was always the first three or four rounds that were just really good, and then it drops off in round four or five. This year, I think there's, 10 guys that could finish as the number one guy. It is stacked. You're looking at, in a 12-team league, there's a possibility to go on the turn and get Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. You know, there's a possibility to get that. It's not crazy. I've done mock drafts. They're right around that area. So let's start with the first guy. I'm taking Mike Trout all day, every day. I'm taking Mike Trout on the moon. I'm taking Mike Trout in 2030, okay? I'm taking Mike Trout all the time. But there are reasons to not love Trout this year. First of all, he averages misses 33 games a year over the last three years, okay? If he misses, look, you you go on a 10-day DL stint, you're not a number one pick, okay? It's that simple. Number two, Mike Trout also this year has the idea that I I think he's going to play, but can he take off four or five days to be with his new baby? (laughs) I think we all know how important that is to him, okay? That's something looming over his head. And he's also somebody that is getting up there in age with a massive contract, might not be running as much. I'm still taking Mike Trout because I love consistency, or you could call me what my wife calls me, and that's stubborn. Sure, but this year, Trout could fall as far as three with guys like Acuna, guys like Yelich, even Bellinger. There are people that might make a a stab for Mookie Betts, who's leading the odds board to win the NL MVP this year. Oh, maybe you go starting pitching. What about Cole, DeGrom, Scherzer, all first-round talents? So let's talk about the first round. Number one pick. I'm still sticking with Trout. Forget about Corona. Forget about his baby. He's old. He does got bad knees. I don't care about any of it. I'm still going with Mike Trout. But I have a feeling you're not with me.
2: I'm not. When you look at Trout, I was a little surprised by this. When when you look at Trout, his his RBIs tend to finish around 105 to 110 he's never had that 140 rbi season and it's purely a function of not being on the field mike has been nicked up with a number of injuries with the ability to run this year i think you would be cautionary with giving him a green light so i don't expect the Steels to be killer like they've been in the past with his career For me, Mookie Betts slips into the equation this year and being discussed as a number one overall. Whoa.
3: I ripped him two weeks ago as being the weakest NL number one bet candidate because he's the NL MVP at at plus 550. I think it's crazy. It's a new season. It's a new team. It's a new setup. Uh, Mookie Betts has never done it. Give me the Mookie Betts love over Trout.
2: Mookie Betts 2018 season is the best season from a right-handed batter since DiMaggio. You could look that up. I think Betts just hits all the cylinders for me. He's an, an elite player and... That park is a little bit of a factor downwards from Fenway. Well, and that, not only that, that you got
3: you got the park in San Diego, you got correct. the park in San Francisco, uh, you got the park in Oakland. Now he's yeah. going to be going there. Park in Seattle. I we're, we're going to talk about this later, but I think that regional impacts the hitters huge in the National League and American League West.
2: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, but still, for me, Mookie can do the thirty steals, you know, season in a full season in his sleep couple that with the fact that he can do 30 home runs as well and he has got such an elite on base percentage that he's the total package for me um in that way if i was going to go with anybody besides trout at number one mookie betts might be so i'll list him as two
3: all right so mookie Betts two we didn't mention ronald acuna who is right now being drafted on all formats cbs yahoo and i do some of the mock draft calculators and whatnot All of them. He's going number one over Mike Trout. Barely, but he's going number one over Mike Trout. Um, My argument against Acuna is a silly one. It just is. I think he's just too young, and I think Freddie Freeman is still the guy there. So I can't find many holes in his game. And I I think he probably should be one. Well, I just won't get off of Trout. Why do you put him as far down as three? I, I, I mean, I'm going
2: two. It's very tight there with bets. And again, this could, the ballpark factor could give Acuna the edge. Um, this is the best player I would love to own under age 25 in the game, though. I mean, you start, when you're starting a team out, you're starting it with Acuna at this point. Um, if you're playing in a dynasty, you know, you, you make a great point. Mike Trout is pushing 30. And Acuna is five years behind that, okay? So um, five years is a long time. You know, we, we all tend to lose track of that. We it's In a game, when you're playing in a dynasty format, you have to have patience. But five years of this, of this excellence is, is, ama- is going to be amazing when Trout is 34 years old and then the, the drop-off is beginning. That becomes much more of a concern. Yeah, I you know, yeah, we have him at 3. That's where we are.
3: People in Milwaukee are screaming. Yeah. Christian Yelich, since coming over from the Miami Marlins has led the NL in on-base percentage, uh, OPS, slugging percentage since he's come over. Had he not gotten hurt last year, uh, I'm a Bellinger guy and I I think it's fair to say Yelich probably would have won the MVP.
2: Clear MVP. He was the MVP on September 1st. Right. We're putting him
3: down around number 4. Now I got him at at, at 3. Um, but a lot of people putting him as down as you would down around four. I'm seeing him go as late as six in some spots. Is the
2: injury the only reason? I just think there is some there is some predisposition for people to think about is this still the John olrood type of statistical profile that we saw for the first few years of his season he really we got to see two back-to-backs with with forty home runs to, for some pe. Some people need to see that, and that's not me. Um, but some people need to see that. That's the only thing I think that there's perhaps some prejudice to see him do it two years in a row now for this, you know, this team that he didn't come, you know, come up with.
3: Cody Bellinger comes up, explodes onto the scene. He's twenty-four years old. War leader last year. Leader in intentional walks, 47 bombs, 115, steals bases, hits over 300, and oh, by the way, now he's going to be able to drive Mookie Betts in around him, a dynamic team, as bad as the ballparks are. How about facing off against San Francisco, Seattle, the Angels, uh, when we're talking about the pitchers that he's going to be teeing off against? Cody Bellinger, the most disrespected guy in fantasy, if I'm sitting there at number five
2: and Bellinger falls to me, all I'm smiling. all smiles. they are all smiles. Absolutely. This is a guy that there's no qualm from, of listing him anywhere from one through five, and it, and it does feel like we're selling him short at five.
3: I mentioned the Story and Arenado duo, okay? They're interesting to me because— I think Trevor Story is the best shortstop in the game. A lot of people argue Lindor. But from a fantasy perspective, I think Story's got the edge. I don't care that they're in Coors Field. My statistics at the end of the year don't discount it because they're in Coors Field. Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story put up massive numbers and consistently massive numbers. Maybe neither one of them are in the conversation for number one. But I think it's downright ridiculous that they're going sometimes falling into the early second. In a 10-team league, they're not first-rounders. They're going 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I've seen them down as 15. I think that Colorado duo, if you could get them on the turn or you could get them late, you're happy with either one of them.
2: You clearly are with Story. Story, the, the only thing that's been always been in the back of my mind with Story is his minor league profile was a low batting average profile. And- it has not hurt him yet in the pros and here in a 60 game season there's nothing to worry about about a low batting average profile he's going to have your steals he's going to have your homers you're going to get your counting stats and it's a it's a, at that position the positional scarcity at shortstop there is some competition we haven't mentioned we we we've put in essence if you are putting him 6 and 7 that that means you're putting uh at 8 Trey Turner And I got a little bit of a problem with that. I think Trey Turner... I got Trey Turner at 13. That's crazy. I think Trey Turner is a better baseball player. Not fantasy, but better baseball player. Oh, baseball player, player, sure. I took him for the MVP last year, yeah. And I think, though, that if he does get, in a full season, one of those 70 steal seasons, he's the best in the game because he can hit 30 home runs. And a 30-70 season's never been done. And uh, so when I look at Trey Turner, I think his consistency will always be better than Trevor Stories. I that's why I have a hard time and you've got him at 13. I think he's a surefire first rounder. Um, and he went as high as some as the fifth round in some in some uh his you know his ADP he's going
3: mid second in it's, most places I, de- I, depending I, yeah. on what site you're looking at 16 15 16 17 right there. Uh, I've seen him as high as 12 um, okay. a, a, for an ADP I'm talking about, right, you right, know. Right. What what about we're talking shortstops? What about Francisco Lindor? Generally a first rounder, everybody loves him. him. Uh, He's got a joke of a schedule. He's going to face the Pirates, the Tigers, the Royals, you know, quite a bit. Um, Lindor is is just steady Eddie, isn't he? Yeah,
2: he's he's you. If you come out of the late first round with Lindor, early second round with Lindor, you you hit a jackpot there. That's that's for sure.
3: All right, here's why I have them a little bit low. Like I said, I like starting pitchers this year. I think there are three that are first-round picks, and maybe you could argue four. Cole, Scherzer, DeGrom, maybe Walker Bueller. I don't put Bueller quite there. I'm going Cole number one because he's on the Yankees, not because I'm a Yankee fan. I just think that uh, in a weird wins kind of season, he'll be there. Garrett Cole, to me, is the number one with a slight edge over Jacob DeGrom. Back-to-back, and i Cy Young speak all you need to know about that. And then Max Scherzer coming in. I'm not worried about Max Scherzer's age any longer because he doesn't have to pitch that many innings. But Max Scherzer, to me, I'm a guy that bets on him a lot. He always has that blow-up game. And that blow-up game this year can be devastating. How do you rank the one, two, three? And for me, all three are first-round guys. Do you put them in the first round?
2: I take Cole first amongst those three. I take uh, Scherzer, too. And, you know, I'm going to sneak in... I think Walker Bueller sneaks in at three for me. Yeah, he I, could. Yeah, I, I, it, he it, a little pride of ownership there. I got him in the eighth round of our redraft one year, and in a season in which you know uh, it was it was his 2018 was fantastic, his 2019 very good, and yet. We haven't only seen him scratch the surface. That's the thing. I think he is that where Cole was four years ago, I think Bueller is right now. Here's what's keeping me off of Bueller
3: and what's keeping me off of Acuna, just just slightly, just a a tick or two down, is because it's the same betting angle that I've been giving everybody. I can't stand the young guys in a shortened season like this. I have a lot more confidence that Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander can mentally prepare. They know, okay, even though it's the beginning of the season, I have to jump in full- rather than a guy like Walker Buehler that may be off of his game a little bit. That's the only reason. I, Like I said, you want to argue that he's in the first round? I'm not going to sit here and completely debate with you. He's just outside for me. He's yeah. about 15 for me. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I actually think that there's a chance that Clayton Kershaw has better numbers than everyone this year because Kershaw has the ability to go through stretches, 8, 9, 10-game stretches, where he's almost unhittable. If he gets into one of those stretches watch out. It'll be the resurgence of Clayton Kershaw and I kind of don't worry about Clayton Kershaw's getting hurt. I don't think he's gonna you know have a problem
2: going through 10 games. You know one thing too about a shortened season that I think people might miss is the fact that these teams will not have an April, will not have a May, will not have a June. That could be death. For a Texas Rangers starting pitcher who has to go into that immediately sweltering heat in the very beginning of the season, they're never going to get cool weather this year. It's, I mean, maybe September, late September, there might be a chance. Texas is going to be a brutal place to, to pitch this year. What does that mean, Mike Miner? gets hurt by that you do take a look at that i'm worried about that with kershaw a little bit just a little bit
3: yeah Yeah. i see kershaw to me i'm just i feel here's why i'd be worried about kershaw because i feel at the end of the year the dodgers have like a seven or an eight game lead and they're just gonna say hey you know what you're only gonna start nine games this year instead of 11 that's that's the worry with me with kershaw i get that. not the injury just the whole we've wrapped this thing up and it worries me a little bit with garrett cole too you know, if the Yankee, I don't think the Yankees will have that big of a lead because I think Tampa Bay is going to be very good. Yeah. But if the Yankees get out to a, a, you know, some kind of re- think about it. With ten games to play in a regular season, uh, they might skip a starter two. Well, if you got sixty games, ten games, that's a big chunk, man. I this is what I mean. I, there are guys that to have great seasons
2: and have like four wins. I mean, this is what absolutely, we're looking at. Absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, it, this is going to be the most fun uh, daily fantasy season in a long time the, 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 the season long formats are really going to suffer from the, 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 the sample sizes being so low, it's going to be hard to get a feel for playing a player uh, in consistency terms it's going to be difficult but when you do look at the the 60 game format it's, it's going to be very interesting for Daly because the opportunities in Daly are going to be so much different. And I think there's going to be some real surprises on the daily scores when they come in. All right.
3: Well, that's going to be in the future. Let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet, to, the bet to the future. All right. Let's talk about bet to the future. We're talking steals earlier. Now let's talk a little bit about saves. Saves. Who will lead the league in saves? How about American League leaders? Arbelos Chapman plus three seventy-five. Osuna plus four hundred. Taylor Rogers plus five hundred. Brad Hand six to one. Hendrick is seven to one. Colomay seven and a half to one. Workman's eight to one. Ken Giles at ten to one. Maybe a little value. Twelve to one. Hansel Robles, and then everybody else down the list. I, I know here's a guy that people might want to ask about. Uh, what about Nick Anderson? Sixteen to one. How about the National League save? leaders who will lead the National League in Safes Kenley Jansen, 4-1. Craig Kimbrell, 5-1. Kirby Yates, 5-1. Josh Hader, 6-1. Edwin Diaz, 7.5-1. People believing in him. Archie Bradley, 9-1. Iglesias, 10-1. Hector Neris 12-1. That's somebody I'll keep an eye on. And you move down the list. Is there somebody else that maybe might be a little interesting? I'm going to throw a couple bucks on 40-1 to one to Jordan Hicks, who might be there this year. He might be there on open. And if he's there on opening day and you get 40 to 1, a guy that throws about 108 miles per hour and can take days off, eh, it might be worth a couple of bucks. That is bet to the future. All right, Chuck, we were talking a little bit about saves. Let's touch on it. I I think you see that the public and the sports books agree with consistency. Chapman, Kimbrell, Jansen, guys that have done it, done it all the time. Kirby Yates at 5 to 1. Is a little bit more than I expected. I thought maybe he would be leading the league, but generally I kind of agree with all these numbers. Nick Anderson is downgraded at 16 to 1. I think because people expect Tampa Bay to use a little bit of a rotation. I don't see any value betting any of this except for maybe Jordan Hicks. If we get a report that you know, right before opening day, Jordan Hicks is going to be the guy and he's in there, I'll take the 40 to 1 shot. What about, what numbers do you have on Archie Bradley?
2: He, he's a... Bradley was bad odds getting 9-1 to one on Bradley. People liking Bradley. Yeah, I like Bradley a lot. You know, the one thing, too, I thought was going to be an interesting save situation this year was also in St. Louis where Giovanni Gallegos was a guy that really had some dominant numbers last year and was being talked about as a closer candidate. Now what's interesting is eighteen 18-1. Yeah, and you know, but you, the only thing about Giovanni, you got to monitor this very closely, he hasn't come to camp yet. And so for... There's a a real blackout of information in terms of injuries right now because the major league clubs have to have the players' permission to publish whether or not he has contracted COVID. So Gallegos, they're not saying yay or nay, but he hasn't come to camp yet. And so that's an interesting one. I don't know if he has it. There's a number of players that are in that possible position. I would watch that one. But at 18-1, to that could be a sleeper. That could be a sleeper for me. I like that.
3: All right, Chuck. Uh, Let's talk about some risers and fallers. I I mean, we've talked about generally the positions that were rise and fall. Steals are downgraded. We're increasing starting pitching. Me and you are. uh, But let's talk about specific people. And I'm going to start it off by getting you angry. And I'm getting you angry about somebody that I'm angry about because he's on my team. And my faller is Nick Madrigal. And here's why. I'm hearing out of the Chicago White Sox camp that he will not break camp with the team so in a normal season no problem they're going to bring him up a month into the season sure in a 60 game season even if they keep him down 10 days I'm worried and maybe they want him to get more at-bats down below maybe that, that, that has been the plan all along but Nick Madrigal, somebody that you alluded to, you opened up my eyes to him last year. I have him in a fantasy long-term keeper league, and I'm going to have to start Tommy LaStella this year because I think Nick Madrigal is not going to be on the up on the big club. He's my faller.
2: Yeah, he, and that's a decent that's a decent faller. Um, the th- the worry with Nick Madrigal will always be: is this a season he hits two home runs, all of two home runs, and if he doesn't, you know, get. 10 to 15 in a given season you've now created a real hole in your lineup but and it
3: sticks with my philosophy to get away from batting
2: average yeah yeah because the value in nick madrigal here's the problem with nick madrigal nick madrigal makes such extreme contact he struck out 19 times in 558 bats last year this is a guy who's always putting the wood on the ball so he doesn't get if he hits 328 he could finish with a 345 on base and that hurts you so it, the, yes, he's got to do that hitting To carry any value And then he's got to turn it into steals So if Nick Madrigal can steal 50 bases for you That will be the pretty much the extent of his value it, It's valuable in, in any format And certainly on nightly games Where maybe Nick Madrigal If you spot his name in the starting lineup You may want to take a try on him To steal some bases that night in a daily game But Nick Madrigal is a good candidate to fall Because again, the, the extremity of the, the, the contact that he makes is is the problem with him. He's too good at it. My other faller I'm giving an overall and I'll give you a couple of
3: names here um, are relievers that you're hoping to, sc- to scrap saves. Ian Kennedy. Tony Watson. Relievers on bad teams that over the course of the season might get a 20-25 in a 60-game season. The team might win 20 games. They'll get eight, nine saves. It's not worth the hit on your whip. It's not worth a hit on your ERA. It's not worth chasing saves. It's not worth speculating on the eighth inning guy. All of that is not worth it this year. So guys like Kennedy, guys like a Tony Watson that actually have the job, I'm still fading and I think they're fallers because of the shortened season. Who do you got as your
2: fallers? I think still it's a real risk on Dansby Swanson. I, I could see this guy falling into the 240 permanent range and that's the extent of his abilities. I, we haven't had we haven't had anything to verify that this is the player that was selected at the very top of his draft and was a great player. Uh, I could see Dansby fall, Swanson losing his job by the end of this season. That could he could be a guy that falls out of relevance. Fantasy-wise, for me, shortstop.
3: All right, how about some risers? I'll give you my two here. Risers, I'm liking Jose Barrios in Minnesota. Jose Barrios, look, I know that in spring, what do we hear? I'm in the best shape of my life, and I look great. But Jose Barrios is somebody that always had the pedigree. He's always on the precipice. At worst, he's going to give you a lot of strikeouts, okay? And he's being drafted like a number three, and I think he could actually be a staff ace. I think he could be in fantasy a staff ace. Plus the fact, and I'll mention it again, I've mentioned it quite a few times, Minnesota plays Detroit, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. Lots of strikeout potential there as well. Lots of win potential. Jose Barrios is backed up by a big offense as well. He's one of my risers. My other riser, can't believe I'm saying this, is Manny Machado. No, I'm not a fan of my Aunt Manny Machado, but Manny's got a full year in San Diego. Okay. Manny's sort of falling under the radar. I'm seeing Manny Machado out of the top five for third baseman itself. He's going to be playing against some weak, weak pitching staffs Colorado, Arizona, San Francisco, Seattle, um, the Angels, Texas. He's going to be playing against some real weak competition, throwing it out there. I wouldn't be surprised to see Manny Machado come storming back this year. So I'll go Manny Machado because his draft position and Jose Berrios
2: could potentially be a top-12 pitcher. My two risers, I see he's going to be 23 years old for the entirety of the 2020 season. He hit 31 home runs in 468 at-bats last year. I think Eloy Jimenez is the breakout of all breakouts I've ever seen. This guy put the ball on the ground 48 percent of the time last year if they do any work on launch angle with this guy you could be looking at the home run leader in the american league i i'm extremely high on this guy we all were he was a top five baseball uh, prospectus prospect overall in the game he's doing it he did it as a 22 year old uh i love the success rate when 22 year olds play that well in a given season and again i think he's only scratched the surface because he Dust puts the ball on the ground way too much. Last year, still hit 31 home runs. I like him a lot.
3: Last week, the entire internet seemed to go crazy about Luis Robert, calling him the the next best great guy. His swing looked on point. You've talked about Nick Madrigal. You've talked about Luis Giolito. Is it fair to say that you're all in on the on
2: the White Sox this oh, year? I am, am I? I would love to be a White Sox fan. Um, you know that's a good game to catch on the the satellite on a given night. You know there there's a number of guys that you have interest in. Uh, it's it and you know it's been a steady, steady process of adding great prospects to that team. You know they still have players like Michael Kopech. You know, 103-mile-per-hour fastball after Tommy John. You know, they have a very exciting minor league system. It's one of the more fun ones to watch. Uh, A lot of good players there. A player who moved this offseason to the L.A. Angels was a player that if there was a single guy in Major League Baseball that needed to get out of Baltimore, it was Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy in L.A., I think, is going to be such a good pitcher. He had a he's still a strikeout and inning guy okay his whip is still a respectable 1.25 he's susceptible to the long ball in Baltimore Uh, I think they're gonna fix that in LA and I he's a I think he's a terrific breakout candidate because he's a workhorse he could take the ball every five days and throw eight innings for you and he could do that He, he is he has a rubber arm after serious uh Injuries early in his career. Um that's a player I think, you know, I would love to play him in day you know when I see him on daily matchups, especially in a good park. He's a guy to play this summer.
3: Let, let's talk about the daily stuff because I wanted to bring this up when we were talking about the White Sox. Stacking this year I think is going to be very, very, very important. When you're talking about a daily lineup, um there are people that have philosophy to stack, to not to stack. I think this year Teams are going to get hot for stretches. And if you get a team that's hot for a stretch and they're playing bad competition, Yankees are playing Baltimore, for example, right? We saw what they did. Gleyber Torres destroyed Baltimore. Well, that's not a fluke. They got bad pitching and and, and they own them. I am all about stacking this year. You give me a lineup that has Torres and LeMayu and Judge and Stanton, I might win with those four players and then go bottom to nothing. You're looking at it. Would you take Roberts and Jimenez and Madrigal and Abreu? You know, you're going to do that. Not only stacking, though, Chuck. What about stacking pitching? Meaning, I'll just take whoever's playing for the White Sox if they're in a, a tough. You know, look, they're they're crushing the ball. They've scored eight nine runs for three games in a row. Now they got the Tigers coming up. I don't care who's pitching for the White Sox. I might be able to steal a win. Are you with that philosophy? I
2: see that. I definitely see that as a smart strategy. Um, that that is. Um that is 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 definitely a good approach when there are some offenses that were so bad last summer that you knew your pitcher maybe was uh, had a seventy percent chance of a win. I'll take I'll take those odds any day. I
3: think we're going to see a lot of big time teammates crushing and uh, multiple home run games because when teams get hot, especially in the summer, they get hot and they get hot fast. And then you have to think about where I really think we're going to be able to take a lot of advantage. Let's just be real. Everyone says everyone's got a shot. You don't. Okay. The Pirates, the Tigers, the you know the Giants, the Orioles—they don't have a shot this year. Here's what I'm going to be looking for: forty games in with twenty to play, which is one third of the season. Forty games in with twenty to play. Don't you start playing the young guys? Don't just start throwing those young guys in there and saying, I want to see what we have, especially pitching-wise. I want to see what we have. I want to see what we get. I think this is the year to absolutely concentrate who's on those 60-man rosters, okay, because that's who they invited to camp. Who's able to come up and play? Who's the next guy up? Don't look at the Yankees and the Astros and the Dodgers because they're never throwing the season away. Look at the bad teams. There's a possibility, Chuck, we might be 20 games in and the Orioles are 3-17 and 17 and they go, well, this year doesn't matter. Let's start bringing up the young guys.
2: I think that's something to really, really watch this season. Also, a big part of the labor negotiation was the fact that the players put on this 60-man list get no service time for it. Huge. The free look of all time. You don't—in I in the past, if I brought a player up on September 1 when the rosters went up to 40— It started counting service time. There's no service time now for these 60-man players. Whatever they do this year, and there's a couple interesting guys on these lists. I'm loving Jared Kalenic in Seattle. I'm loving Julio Rodriguez in Seattle. This guy to me is the next Manny Ramirez. I see a quality right-handed stick in this player. I'm not going to be surprised if he plays 15 games. Now, I'll throw a name at you as well, and I think you know it, and it'll lead
3: us into the next question, so... Seth Beer. Seth Beer was traded. He is a DH guy that was on an NL team, and they're going, oh, the guy's the best hitter ever, but he's a DH guy. Oh, wait a minute. Now we have the DH. Let's talk about the DH, okay? Ioannis Cespedes gets life, right? Here he's in great shape. He can't run to first base, but you know what? Kinda doesn't have to now. Is the DH the NL teams with the DH that help the most? I think the Mets with you know uh, Cespedes is helped big time. The Dodgers, obviously, uh, a guy like Seth Beer could make an impact. This is something that I think is massively impactful, especially when you are talking about daily fantasy because they don't need a position; just throw him out there to hit.
2: You know, especially even though he would have this availability in the American League. There is one guy out there who's a terrific hitter, and he can't he can't play any position on the field. He really can't. Nick Solak with Texas is going to be a prime beneficiary of the interleague crossovers. He's going to never have to play in that format where, you know, that the American League pitcher has to hit that game that been a feature of past seasons not a feature of this season so- austin riley's another guy for
3: atlanta oh, austin, austin riley, riley and- third
2: base outfield first base nope dh yes, there you go absolutely and- austin riley prime one of the prime guys that gets a boost there um they're, they're, that's a very underrated thing um i'm very very also uh very big on uh this one player who uh, williams astadillo this is a guy that it, it, he's not a catcher. Everybody is in a consensus of that, but DH him.
3: DH is going to yeah. save a lot. All right, the last thing we've got to head out the door and talk about the elephant in the room or the cheater in the room, the Asterix is, 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 is everyone's calling him something different, some variation, but yeah, the Astros. We didn't mention any. We didn't mention Bregman. We didn't mention Altuve. We didn't mention Springer. All of them are among the top 20 to win the MVP. I wouldn't put a dollar on any of them. I have no idea what to make of the cheaters and it's not my personal opinion of just hating them yeah i do hate them but i i'm just not sure and i don't think we have a a large enough sample size i don't think we will um to me uh, there's not gonna be fans so that takes away from it but it doesn't take away from the stress the eyes on you the other teams on you and the idea that let's be honest Chuck they are not going to know what's coming this year that had to impact them even so slightly so a guy like Bregman when we talked about our first round everyone's got him in the first round not me will I let him fall to the third no but I'm not taking him minute there I'm not going to have any astros on my team because I just don't feel comfortable enough with what they're going to be able to do would I have an opportunity to see them in spring training and say okay look they look the same and maybe they only got minimal help maybe I'm not gonna get the opportunity to do that this year I have no idea
2: so I'm staying
3: far away from every single Astro Altuve was a
2: absolute consensus first-round pick in 2017 in 2018 and he sank like a stone last year um, I believe it is he was a one of the biggest beneficiaries of that whole scandal um, we when we were talking about the first round today today we didn't even think about him he's not he's he's never going to get drafted in the first round again and uh, yeah you're 100% right about the betting angles too on anyone there getting an mvp no sports writer is going to do that and so th- steer clear of any of those type of bets that's that's just a bad situation to even want to try to bite off
3: to put a little note onto that i would take them There, are the over-unders for 35 wins i think they might win games and i think they might be okay there sure but, uh, yeah. but i'm not going to be overdrafting them hoping they replicate last year's numbers that are clearly aided yeah th- there's nothing you could say about it look it A guy might take steroids, come back and be better. We know Nelson Cruz took steroids. People don't realize that. He came back. He's been great ever since. So maybe he got minimal help. Maybe the Astros will get minimal help. I'm just on gambling to take a shot there. So, Chuck, that's it. That is our fantasy segment. This is Chuck T., our Rotomill fantasy expert. It is awesome. Look, it's been too long since I talked to you. We're going to be having Chuck on occasionally over the course of the season. Um, One last thing. How are you going to manage having an NBA, NHL, golf football baseball leagues are you even gonna ever see your wife again
2: <laughs> um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting they are all coming back at the same time everyone's itching it's it's gonna be difficult uh, I
3: have a fantasy team in every sport I don't care I told my wife I'll see you next year I, I that's it I've been locked up with you for a hundred days I'm gonna just go play fantasy for like the next like two years of my life that's it I'm in every single <laughs> league I don't care Chuck Chuck it's been fantastic thank you very much guys that's your fantasy preview you um just don't scrap your season you know go into it go into it with a betting mindset the daily fantasy leagues will continuously every week give you little updates i think you can make a lot of money in daily fantasy leagues this year as much as the unknown is out there don't be afraid of the unknown and i say it from a betting perspective and i'm saying it for fantasy perspective don't be afraid of the unknown take the unknown take what you know and use it to your advantage Everybody that's making the lines and the public is at just as much as disadvantage as you are. You could go out there, you could make money if you do your research and you find the angles. It's all about finding the angles and I think there's plenty of them and we talked about a lot of them. Alright, I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back and you can bet on that.
1: This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be a part of the show, call 1-855-4GARDEN. That's 1-855-442-7836. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible Sports Intelligence, 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.